raise enough to understand how to pull yourself through, you know, what's affectionately known as pilot hell. You know, it's with any large B2B enterprise and pharma in particular, you can end up in reoccurring pilots. And while that looks good because you're making a little bit of money, you're not actually pulling them through to a license and really validating your business. And that sometimes takes a little bit more runway than you think it is. And those pilots are not as revenue generating. So um, that can really get you and you'd be going back to the market without any real metrics other than, yeah, I have another pilot resigned for another six months. Hey there, Powder Cake fans. Nick here from the Powder Cake team. And this is episode 123 of Powder Cake Igniting Startups, the show for entrepreneurs, leaders, and innovators building remarkable tech companies in areas outside of Silicon Valley. And today, we're going to be looking at an interview that I had the chance to do at last year's Unmet Conference in Denver, Colorado. There, I had the awesome opportunity to speak with Jason Smith, co-founder and CEO of Armark Bio, a personalized business intelligence solution that empowers life science companies to identify and partner with clinical and academic scientists. And Jason is a leading edge technologist and product executive with over 19 years of industry experience. He has held positions in early stage companies, large multinational organizations, and venture capital incubators, building a rich professional background. And through this wide range of experience leading product teams, he's helped create many innovative products, especially what he's working on right now with Armark. And using sound technical strategy, product development and operations, he's been able to make these a success and he talks about how he does that and also how he fosters a good company culture as well. So there's a lot to learn from this interview. Definitely listen to what he has to say because he's one smart guy. So let's get started. Jason, thanks for coming on the podcast today. Great. Thank you. Yeah. And we also have Clay here as well, helping me to facilitate the conversation. And really, Jason, we'd just like to start off with understanding how you got into entrepreneurship and what it was that sparked your interest and really helped you launch into this journey. Uh, absolutely. So I worked um, while I was going to school at large companies. I started my career at groups like IBM, ATI Research. I was recruited out by a startup in Seattle in the early 2000s and fell in love immediately with the startup culture and the Northwest. Um, that company did not work out, but myself and two other scientists left um, at the end and went on to form a group called Crypto Cybernetics, which we built up and ended up selling off. Mm-hmm. And ever since then, I just had the, I love being an entrepreneur. I love being able to do so many different things. Uh, after we had that sale, we went on to become an angel investor in the market. Uh, through that, I ended up helping building and selling another company and just fell in love. It just reinforced every single time how much I love being on the front line to solve those problems and you know work with really smart, passionate people that even during tough times were all there for one cause. Mm-hmm. And I spent some time in VC, and that's actually where I met my co-founder. Uh, he was uh, through our uh, wives at the time. Um, we got dragged to some event at a bar, and we were the only two guys at, the, at this event, so we ended up sitting <laughs> at the bar and um, you know kind of hit it off over data and um, and vodka and football, and uh, we, you know, so we really got along well. We became personal friends. Uh, Doctor Lev Becker was finishing his postdoc at University of Washington in um, in biochemistry, and one day I was talking to Lev about some of the companies we we're investing in while I was on the VC side, and he kind of you know mentioned how he w- really wished he could get his research in front of pharma, 
And the problem was he doesn't have the reputation, but he had really cool science and had some really good findings that could really accelerate this. And that was the aha for he and I to go, well, what if we could socialize the science? What if in an objective way, we could look at what is the science coming out of a lab and how that at a university and match that against the pipeline or needs of a pharma company in real time. And that was the aha spark that eventually led to what our mark is now. That's awesome. And so it kind of cuts through some of the having to build the name for yourself. If you're doing really cool things in your research, you can now get connected basically through what you've built. Yeah, that's the hope. Yep. Awesome. And so uh, what's been your biggest challenge then in getting started with RMARC and getting this going? Like, where have you run into obstacles and had to overcome those? Well, the first one is I don't come from this industry. So I'm not a I am not a healthcare person. I've never been in life sciences uh, or any of that. Um, so when we decided, I was um, early 2015, I was helping a friend of mine build uh, his group up so he could sell it off. Uh, went through some of that sale, trying to decide what I'd do next in my life. Lev and I had been bootstrapping this idea behind the scenes, kind of working on it a little bit. Um, he had already moved to Chicago to take a, after he, he uh, finished his postdoc to University of Chicago. And we spoke to some friends of ours in the industry and they said, yeah, this is actually a real problem. It broader than what, it, you know, just the research side we brought on the platform. Um, so the first real challenge for me was, A, I need to, I sold my house, my car, packed up my dog in a U-Haul truck and drove to Chicago to launch it and spent the first six months interviewing and meeting anyone in the pharma industry. So we knew we had the algorithms. We didn't know the product to put mm -hmm. around it that you would actually want to touch every single day that would make a difference in the business um, and the operations of that business. Mm -hmm. So really understanding what were the real pain points. Everyone can say, yeah, I wish I was more connected to people. I wish I had better data intelligence and I wish I could take better actions on them. Well, what does that really mean for the user to want to pick up that product and log in every day to our tool and use that as a decision? So that was a real, the first real challenge for us was understand what we actually needed to build. Once we had that, um, how do you get in front of pharma? Mm -hmm. You know, th these are, these are very large, um, very complex organizations that you have to navigate. And as a small company, that was uh, probably, and will continue to be, but mm -hmm. definitely in the early days was one of the hardest challenges. I bet. I mean, Lily's a big company in Indianapolis, and I've stopped asking people if they know someone that I know that works at Lily because <laughs> it's just, yeah. they're like, no, not a chance. <laughs> Well, I guess, uh, Jason, thank you for your time. One question that I had had were, why do large pharma companies have trouble finding these research? Um, it's, it's not that they have trouble finding the research. It's there's so much of it out there. How do they filter? So they can go pull all the data we can pull from all the public sites. Um, you know, we sign third-party agreements because they're buying the data from these other organizations. It's how do you take all these disparate data sets to paint the picture of what a researcher is doing or what a physician who's running a clinical trial or a physician with a patient population that needs that therapeutic. It's a broader view across that data and then knowing what are the business objectives. You know, one department may need it for this reason where another department wants to use the physician for advocacy versus clinical trials versus R&D. Those are different objectives and it gives you different views of the data. That's the real challenge is how can they by hand pull all that data together? And the answer is it's very hard to do that. So um, they pay a lot of service providers to try to help them. Our tool is meant to break that down and say, well, we can look across all that data in real time and our machine learning and our AI pieces can actually help you understand based on business objective of team or department A versus team or department B in the same organization what are the right people you should be engaging with and why, and what should you engage on 
And then how do we measure that? And that ability to look across the data and make those recommendations, I think, is the efficiency that is just hard to do by, um, you know, by human hand. Yeah, I'm kind of curious your experience kind of entering pharma and, you know, everything that I'd heard about any government agency or any large corporation is just the relationships take a long time. Mm -hmm. Has that been your experience or is there any kind of shortcut to expedite the process through large pharma? Um, I don't know if there's shortcuts. The We've been fortunate. So we're part of Matter out of Chicago. It's a healthcare community and um, in that space. And their entire charter is to break down the barriers between these large healthcare companies, whether it's um, payers, providers, pharma companies, device companies, to the startups. So that really gave us a, a leg up because those companies are trying to find startups to solve the problem and they know you're a startup. So you don't have to be perfect. Um, I don't know if that's uh, you know a shortcut, but it definitely helped in the early days to be able to have very candid conversations with the leaders inside uh, different organizations to say, "This is where we're headed. What do you think?" And you know, get open feedback. That was a huge, uh, I'd say, win for our mark because we got a lot of feedback very quickly and were able to adjust and mod and modify our product so that when we were ready to go to market more broadly we at least had 80% of the pain points somewhat solved and accounted for or could speak to why we didn't have the other ones. Do you, since your background has been in VC and companies as well, do you have any advice for companies maybe looking to enter into this sector um, that you can give them uh, trying to raise money in the, I'd say the pharma industry? Um, so yeah, uh, uh, raise more than you think. So we all, we all have this thing and I know that's the, the whole VC is raised more. It's always going to be a rainy day. This is very different. This is these sales cycles are extremely long, um, and raise enough to understand how to pull yourself through. You know what's affectionately known as pilot hell. You know, it's with any large B two B enterprise and pharma in particular, you can end up in reoccurring pilots. And while that looks good because you're making a little bit of money, you're not actually pulling them through to a license and really validating your business. And that sometimes takes a little bit more runway than you think it is. And those pilots are not as revenue generating. So the idea that you're gonna have a six month pilot and then convert to a license, that is not always the case. And if you're counting on that in your revenue and you're not, ra and you're not raising for that not to happen, um, that can really get you. And you'd be going back to the market without any real metrics other than, yeah, I have another pilot resigned for another six months. And that makes your valuation and your argument you want to have for value really hard. So do it early and um, it's worth the percentages early on to give up to make sure you have a business uh, in a year from now. Well, I mean, I really, really like what you do. Um, I'm very curious, you know, what is the future of Armark Bio? What is, uh, what is the future look for the next three years? Yeah, so we really want to, uh, we've been predominantly focused on pharma, we'll continue to. We really want to focus uh, now on med devices and early biotech. Um, but as we've been training new models and taking more data in, it's really helping make more strategic recommendations inside these organizations. You know, you know can we look broadly across what are the right to go to market strategies for therapeutic in certain key markets? And can we make recommendations and then monitor that and get smarter about that? Um, that's the area that we're really excited to grow in is, you know, kind of taking our business intelligence up a few layers within the organization and more broadly throughout the entire organization to help them make better decisions across the board. And it looks like Chicago is probably a great place to, to have this company. It is. So, you know, there was a, outside of Lev already being in Chicago, we had really a few key areas. You had Boston, the Jersey corridor, Chicago, and then, uh, San Diego, um, 
I didn't want to go to any of those without, you know, you want the brain trust initial days, but it's also our customers are there. You know, there's a lot of big pharma is right in Chicago. So it's a great place to kind of have people in your backyard that are rooting for you and you make the right relationships and really pull those through. And then we can worry about expanding on to other markets. Yeah, it's good to be close to your customers so yep. you can have, especially while you're building, to have that feedback loop. Absolutely. For sure. Um, so besides, you know, having that density in Chicago, what's the general environment like for tech startups? Like, is it, are there resources and, you know, the talent? What is what is that ecosystem like and how has that helped you to build Armart? It's been growing. Chicago is awesome. Um, when I first got there, there was a little apprehension because it was so a little nascent. Um, and I say that coming from the outside, from Seattle. So I have a very skewed view of that world. But when I first got boots on the ground in Chicago, it reminded me of when I first got out to Seattle. You know, it was early 2000. It wasn't like it is now by any stretch of the imagination. So um, we're starting to see that over the last four years, there's been so much growth and so much tech that um, and investments are really coming into Chicago now, which and there's been a few wins and a few small wins where the, that group's turning back around and reinvesting, which is what you want. Not only the capital, but that understanding, that leadership from people have been through it, staying in the Chicago market. Um, so we see a lot of growth potential. It's become a lot easier to recruit because, uh, and mainly because some of the larger companies are coming back to Chicago because the, the quality of life and the cost of living is so much cheaper than the West Coast that they're, you know, you see Facebook, you see Google moving massive amounts of people there. That helps everyone in that community. And we're, you know, groups like Matter, 1871, those are also huge wins to really prop up that community and help us grow uh, faster. Mm -hmm. Awesome. So, I mean, do you have any questions there, Clay? Um, I think one other one, when you look at, I would say, investors as you guys to scale, you know, what um, what do you look for in investors um, on the VC? Because from what I can tell, you have a lot of interest on the, on the VC, mm -hmm. so you can kind of pick and choose which ones are more aligned. So what do you look for in a VC? Uh, your word is perfect, alignment. So we... We have to be pretty careful that we don't get sucked in. We get sucked into a lot of healthcare VCs that we don't align with because healthcare is such a broad term. Um, you know, we're very, we have a very large market. You know, we have 15, I think the last quote I actually saw was $19 billion market opportunity in, in our space that we play in, but it's somewhat niche. So you have to really understand it. So for us, it's really investors who can answer a question around do you know how to sell, uh, excuse me, scale a B2B? enterprise SaaS business. Can you help us there? Great. Can you help do that in uh, pharma or life science industry? Even better. And it's got to be one of those two. And it's really focusing on that, that healthcare life science. Do you understand the complexities of that world? It can be broader healthcare. We just, we try to narrow that out pretty, filter it out pretty quickly because we're also not a fit for them and, yeah. and vice versa. So th those are the things when we're looking for in the next round of VC is can they really, have they done this before? In the, in the market that we're selling into, and therefore, can they help us scale that? Well, uh, I guess for the listener that's trying to get more information on Armark Bio, where can you direct them to get more information? Yeah, on check out uh, armarkbio.com, and there's forms there. You're always welcome, and we can uh, connect with you and uh, definitely update you more about what we're doing. Awesome. Jason, thank you so much for your time. Yeah, Great. Thank you. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Thanks again for listening to today's episode. If you have any thoughts or feedback on the conversation with Jason Smith, feel free to let us know in the comments. We'd love to hear from you. And as always, to be among the first to hear the stories about entrepreneurs, investors, and other tech leaders outside of Silicon Valley, subscribe to us on iTunes at powdercake.com forward slash iTunes. We'll catch you next time on Powder Cake Igniting Startups. <laughs>